Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 76. And we have a return. It's part due. Part due. Do you guys you guys are probably too young to remember uh uh part two? Uh, what was that movie with? It was like one of those like cheesy 90s movies where they they like spoof. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't remember the full name, but but anyway. It sounds I very di- familiar to me. <laughs> I digress. We have Leron Erskorn here. Hey, man, thank you for uh, for being on today. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and if if anybody doesn't know Leron, uh, he's gonna he's gonna give you a little bit of background. You you don't have to go as as deep. If you want to hear more about like go really deep, go back to the previous episode and listen to that but uh just uh kind of update us to uh you know what what you're doing now sure um well yeah a little, a little background i started uh i got involved in selling on amazon in in 2014 um built a couple of private label brands um now i also run uh, an amazon uh, advertising agency so we're managing ads for over 100 brands uh, on amazon um and uh i'm involved in some uh, some other things. Uh, I'm actually advising uh, a lending company in this space, and I'm also advising a company that is acquiring uh, Amazon brands. So mm, I'm uh, gonna guess. I'm gonna get. I honestly don't know who it is, but I've seen them everywhere. So it's probably Thrashio, right? It's, it's not Thrashio. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, well, a, a new a new competitor. I like it. There are a lot. Yeah, and it's something we can kind of talk about a little bit in, in yeah, the context sure. of like bigger picture Amazon stuff, but. Um, I've had conversations probably with five or six of these types of companies mm-hmm. now that are coming in. And um, so what happened was um, in April, there was an article in TechCrunch about how Thrasio raised money. And I think at that point almost had a billion dollar valuation. Then they raised money since then again and got to a billion dollar valuation. And what that did was it lit a fire under a lot of people in the space uh, with instit- with access to raising money and institutional money uh, coming in. So I- I've had some conversations with probably five or six companies. Um, and probably there's probably a hundred of these companies right now that are looking to acquire Amazon brands. The, the, the thing that it does is one, it validates the fact that like big money's coming in. It means there's, there's an opportunity. Um, at the same time, I think it, I think it means that, you know, sellers have to step up their game a little bit because the competition is going to be putting more money into things like creative and, you know, packaging and, and things like that. Um, the nice thing is that generally for, for the most part, Amazon's like a playing level field, right? Like you can't both a big, big brand and I, we could bid the same thing to get those top positions, et cetera. And I think a lot of times, um, the advantage that you have is that, you care a lot more about launching and um, having success with a product than employee number 155 at Thrasio, right? That's just nature of entrepreneurship. So I feel like, you know, there's, there's still great opportunity for sellers, but also like I do see this kind of shift in terms of big institutional money coming into Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if uh, people don't know about these companies, um, they m- operate very similar but some have their own little spin on it where it's, uh, you know, a lot of times they'll approach you or you can approach them and say, you know, Hey, I, I want to exit or that, you know, they might say, Hey, we want to acquire. And, and then they do a deal where, you know, they either, um, you know, they give you a multiple and then a kind of a payout after a certain period of time, or they, you know, or they let you keep some, uh, you know, some people 
you know, want to keep a small bit of equity as it grows. You know, there's all these kind of creative ways that they're doing this. And what these companies are, they're pretty much um, like, a, I don't want to call them incubator, but that's kind of what they are, where they've got a team of people, you know, they've got like listing optimization experts, they've got PPC experts, they have all these people who are experts in, you know, a specific thing on Amazon. And when you bring those, that team together, um, you know, they, they can really uh, optimize an Amazon business. So they, they kind of got processes in place and all this stuff in place. So it's, it's a really interesting business model. It's something I actually thought of years ago and <laughs> I wish I would have deployed. Uh, mm. But uh, I think Casey's, Casey's working for Thrashio now, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. Casey is their, their VP of SEO and uh, he leads a team that I think all they focus on is like organic ranking. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. For, yeah. For, for the, for the brands. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and yeah, um, kind of a, uh, a similar company I'm, I'm involved with. The, the name is Flywheel Commerce. Um, it's uh, buying, buying brands. Um, they have a kind of a particular focus in pets and baby, but um, because they already have some companies there and like big email lists, but they're essentially looking to acquire, um, you know, product brands that are doing a million or more in, uh, in revenue. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, it was a great opportunity to, you know, to to build up. I, I also happen to think that valuations are going to rise over the next few years because as some of these bigger players are looking at the same companies to acquire, you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be maybe more bidding to to buy. Um, so you know, if you're building a brand, it's a great time because poten potentially your valuations may go up over, over the next, you know, two, three years. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, if you have an established Amazon account, like the value of that account, you know, especially with like the, the reviews and, you know, kind of a seasoned account um, where you have a lot of data when they can come in and see what you've done in the past, see, you know, PVC stuff, like all that kind of stuff, the more data that those companies have, the more they can optimize that business. Right. So um, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, on the PVC side, since I, I feel like that's really what you're, you've been digging into lately, um, you know, this is kind of a general question, you know, our audience is, you know, anywhere from starting up to, you know, some advanced stuff. But um, what, what I see a lot of is a lot of overlooked uh, placements, right? There's Amazon's only always rolling out new placements. So what do you what do you think right now is like the most overlooked placement? And where do you think that people can have the best uh, kind of return on investment in terms of, of new, some of the new placements out there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the last year, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of new placement, a lot of new ad types, and um, and Amazon playing around a lot with with the same types of ads, but in different placements. I still think video ads, um, even though there, there's been talk for some time about video ads, but I still think video ads um, are underutilized. There's still a lot of sellers that I talk to that say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on video or I haven't gone around to, to doing it, or they don't have brand registry and they, they haven't done it yet. And I still think video ads are probably you know, the best opportunity in terms of like, not only a new ad type where you can get a lower cost per click, but like where you can actually get a lot of traffic, um, you know, on desktop, it's taking up the placement of what, where would be four listings across that. So you're getting a lot of visibility. Um, and I think that's, you know, a, a great opportunity. Um, so I would say that number one, um, definitely sponsored display product targeting ads. Um, they're not driving a tremendous amount of traffic, but they're getting a, a low cost per click. You can achieve a, a lower a cost there. Um, and, and just to give you some examples, like on the video side, you know, there's like some competitive niches, um, that we're, 
you know, advertising in where, you know, on like some consumable products where like the cost per click might be like three to four dollars on sponsored product and like literally right underneath that with a big video spot, you know, it's like a dollar fifty cost per click. So like you're really getting, you know, uh, you can get a lot more clicks for your money and you can compete in, in on keywords that you wouldn't maybe want to compete on for for sponsor products. Um, sponsor display product targeting. Um, again, doesn't drive as much traffic, but gets, um, you can get a lot of um, uh, cheap, uh, cheap clicks. Um, and then, um, you know, I think um, sponsored brand ads driving to storefront present an opportunity because there are certain placements when you create a sponsored brand ads that um, you get on people's product pages only if you're sending those ads to storefront. And again, there's more people that are, haven't gone around to creating a storefront or you know, have older sponsored brand ads that are um, what's called product collection that are going to a landing page and not to the storefront. And so they're not getting those placements on detail pages. Um, and those sponsored brand ads on detail pages are also an opportunity. So all, all those to me are opportunities. I think people should be optimizing their storefronts. Um, you know, I've seen recently even ads like um, there's store spotlight um, sponsored brand ads that are um, you know, if you have kind of like a, a bigger catalog, especially for branded searches, um, so somebody searching your brand name, you can really show them, you know, different categories of products that you sell that are converting better than just sending them to a, a detail page. Um, so I think kind of depends on your catalog, but all this presents, um, you know, presents opportunity. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with you on both of those, um, th those ad placements. And, uh, I think uh, sponsored display, like what I really love about sponsored display is you can get super creative with it, right? So like if you sell a, a, a bike pump, then you can go out and and, and look at all the, you know, bike uh, tubes or bike tires or, you know, like that kind of placement that a lot of people don't think about where it's like, you know, if somebody's buying this, like they are very likely going to buy this other thing either in the same purchase or, you know, very, uh, you know, in the near future. So if they're seeing that ad, they might get retargeted and things like that. So that's where I really love, you know, starting out, like what I'll normally do. And, and I don't know if you do this uh, later on is, you know, I'll set up like a, a category uh, sponsored display, right. And kind of see what performs and then kind of look at, you know, the pro the types of products that it's converting for, and then go back and then just target those products. And that seems to be working really, really well for us. Um, and I really like the, like you said, you know, we, we see a lot lower because not a ton of people have still caught on, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot lower, um, you know, uh, cost per click, a lot lower or a lot better ACOS, uh, return on ad spend and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah. Yes. And I would, um, I would, I would say another, another way that we're finding, um, targets, um, is so, so there's a number of ways to find targets, right? You can number one, look at your ASINs that are converting on the sponsored product side from auto and manual. But then I would say we, we like to target a lot more than that because of the difference in cost per click, because we know that certain ASINs that are, like you said, they're not necessarily competitor, but they may be loosely related or complementary, wouldn't work on sponsored products because the cost per click is too high. They do work on sponsored display because the cost per click is much lower and you can get a lot more clicks. So we use um, brand analytics a lot for this research. Um, so if I'm tar you know, if I have a barbecue glove, I would put into, I would put into brand analytics, like the word barbecue, right? Or BBQ and just find all the related terms. And then near, near those terms are gonna be the corresponding ASINs that are getting the most clicks and download that and put in a lot of these ASINs into 
uh, into these campaigns and like, you're not risking, you can put a low budget and you're not risking like a dollar cost per click on, on a lot of these ASINs. It's going to be more like 10 cents, 15 cents, and you can afford to have more clicks, you know, to, um, to get, to get a sale. I mean, we have like, um, we have a customer that sells like some coffee accessories and we put it on like an espresso machine. Um, so I have, I have a, a client that sells like a, a coffee canister. So it like, you can store your, your coffee beans and we're getting sales off an espresso machine, which is again, not really like competitor, but just in the same category. And we're able to drive, drive sales. Those are the kind of products that I think you, at least right now you have the opportunity to, um, you know, to put ads on those. Yeah. And, and if you guys don't know what Leron's talking about, so brand analytics, um, if you're not, a, if you're not brand registered, you won't have access to it. Um, but what he's talking about is you put in a keyword, right? When you put in a keyword, you'll get a list of not only the most searched terms related to that term, but then also the ASINs that convert first, second, and third, uh, most converting ASINs. He's harvesting those ASINs, meaning, you know, copying them, pasting them into a sponsored display, uh, campaign, and then throwing a, casting a really wide net. And then from those ASINs, he's able to see what converts and then adjust bids accordingly, um, which works really, really well. So um, definitely, if you guys have not done that yet, when you listen to this episode, go and fire those up, get those going, especially before Q4, or I guess we're in Q4 now when you're listening to this. Uh, so, you know, get them, get them going ASAP. Uh, you want to start converting before uh, the shopping season really, you know, gets into full steam so that you have that data, the, the longer you wait, the, the, the harder it's going to be for you to get that data. On that note, uh, Liron, what do you, uh, you know, you've, you've heard a lot of uh, people coming into Q4 here, you know, everyone's like saying Q4 is going to be the, you know, this year is going to be crazy, you know, get, you know, get lots of stock, things like that. But then it's also on the flip side, it's like, well, wait a minute, I have, I, you know, I, I, I got 10 times as much as I got last year in inventory, but I can't send it to Amazon. Now what? So kind of what are, what, what are you doing uh, for your Amazon business? What are you telling your clients to do um, when people are running into those issues? Yeah. Um, so I think this year you really need to be prepared with, um, you know, a 3PL. That's probably, you know, I would say the the main thing, um, not someone who can just, you know, inbound products into Amazon for you, but also who can do merchant fulfilling for you. Um, we still don't know what things are going to look like as it gets into November and December. And um, I mean, is it possible that Amazon is going to have problems fulfilling products like it? It could it could be right if the I think Amazon's going to make a, a big effort this year to try to get people to shop early. Um, you know, even the prime ad, the prime day ads that they've been running, or they're like, you know, get your holiday shopping started early. So they're trying to push people. They want to spread out those purchases over the next you know few months. But um, I think being prepared with uh, a 3PL and being able to to merchant fulfill either yourself or or with a with third party warehouse, I think is really um, important and, you know, trying to, you know, improve your IPI scores, uh, over time, if need be to kind of get more, more turns and sell more is kind of like, you know, the, the best, um, you know, the best, uh, situation you can, you can, uh, you can put yourself in. I think, I think that, I think the logistics side is going to be the biggest, um, the biggest potential issue that people have and, and getting, shipping products in time to Amazon and Amazon accepting your products in time and, you know, navigating that and knowing, you know, not really knowing what, you know, what the sales are going to be. Should you lower your price for prime day? You know, do you have too much inventory? Do you not like, it's very hard to predict this year, you know, how much, um, how much it's going to, you know, how much things are going to sell in the fourth quarter. Are you going to, are you going to run out of stock? Do you have too much stock? 
trying to make those those uh, those decisions, I think, um, I think is kind of like what what you need to be smart enough with with your inventory, um, because yeah, maybe maybe you don't need to run a coupon on Prime Day because like sales are going to be so good this quarter, you know, this fourth quarter. Um, then again, you have to just you know, I think you just have to balance some of the risks of of what may happen with fulfillment and with your ability to ship products in and and all, all those potential issues. Uh, yeah, but absolutely. I do think it's going to be the biggest Q4 Amazon has ever had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean they're always only always usually up by like twenty percent, right? But it's it's I agree with you. I think it's going to be more like probably forty, you know, or something like that. Um, I definitely agree with you there, and I I definitely agree with you on the three PL thing. The only thing I'm worried about, honestly, is you know a lot of these three PLs might not be able to handle the crush of incoming business, right? So if you guys have the ability, my suggestion would be, you know, definitely get a 3PL, but maybe even, you know, have some high school student trained up on how to, how to do some, you know, print labels and use ship station and, 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 and merchant fulfill in case, you know, that, that channel starts to fail you, you know, so you're not, you know, not sitting there with all this inventory. And that's already that's happening to a lot of people. I think yeah. there's already, yeah. um, I know, I mean, a lot of the resellers groups and they're having issues with their prep centers because they're getting over, you know, overwhelmed with all the people coming in and, um, you know, people ordered huge orders from their suppliers and then they weren't able to send anything in. So now they're just kind of getting stuck and then shipping costs went way up as well. And now Amazon not only is playing games with these limits, right, but they're also really changing a lot of stuff. And there's been a lot of suppressed listings lately, mm -hmm. like for all kinds of different issues. Have you noticed that, Leron? Like, what have yeah. you seen in terms of the suppressed listings and what yeah. do you think is going on there? I saw today, I mean, I think Amazon has uh, this year put in place a lot of these bots that are running, that are suppressing listings for a variety of reasons. Um, I saw today listings were down um, uh, because they had the word bonus in them, um, in, in the listing. So I, I think Amazon is, yeah, running a lot of these things. Um, I saw listings that were down about a month ago because they had something, people had something like, you know, only buy from this authorized seller kind of kind of language in them. Amazon suppressed that. so. If your listings, if you're getting your listings suppressed, it's likely some wording that you need to change. But like, you might you might not know. You might need to play around with it and um, you know try to figure out what what might be the the language. But yeah, one of my uh, one of my ad clients yesterday had 80 listings um, that were you know that were uh, suppressed, and then today they messaged they messaged us and they said it was the word bonus. Um, so I just think there's you know. Um, Amazon just has more of these like things in place. I'm seeing it when people are loading images that images are not getting, you know, approved. If there's some, you know, had a, uh, somebody show me, they had text on their packaging and Amazon, you know, said, uh, you have text in your image. You have to, you can't upload this image. And the text was on the packaging, right? So, you know, there's a lot of these issues that, you know, I just feel like when you're dealing with Amazon, you have to be prepared that you're going to deal with deal with some headaches. Um, but if you know how to navigate things and you can overcome it, you know, obviously it's a great, great opportunity to sell products, but, you know, dealing with Amazon can be uh, challenging uh, at times to say the least. Right. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's with any platform, right? Like we recently started selling on Walmart and I mean, it, it kind of gives, it kind of makes seller, Amazon seller support look good because <laughs> 
Walmart doesn't really have like, you know, it's a good platform and they're, they're really trying to, to, to build something there and they're trying to, to be good about it, but there's really no support. And, you know, the, the system is down all the time and it's just kind of a, a mess. So, you know, it just, it's part of selling on a third-party platform. And, you know, all of us love the traffic that we get from Amazon. We love the channel, you know, it, it's still a great opportunity, but this, it's just one of those things we gotta, we gotta stick with it. So it, it has been super weird. We had like one of our, a couple of our listings were suppressed and it said something about like the main image being attractive or something. <laughs> and we were like, what is the, what? Okay. I keep you know, telling Amy not to use the bikini photo on the main image. I, I keep know. telling her that. She's... I mean, I work hard for this body. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I see the stories. <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness. So what about these bad reviews that Amazon is following up with customers, Leron? How do you feel about that? Like oh, yeah. they're following up on bad reviews, but we're not allowed to. Yeah. So for, for those that, that didn't see, you know, I had a, a friend of mine send me this uh, email he got from Amazon. He bought a blink, uh, I think it is a blink like security camera, which is owned by Amazon. And he gave it a one-star review. I think he was having like, you know, issues with it. He gave it a one-star review and then he got an email from, you know, I'm an Amazon account representative working with Blink and I saw you wrote, you know, you had a problem with the product, you know, I wanted to help you. What's your email and phone number, you know? Um, and I posted that and, and like, you know, it really shows that, uh, you know, unfair treatment to Amazon's own, own products, you know? Um, if third-party sellers could do that, I think they would love the opportunity to fix issues for people and, um, you know, although the email didn't say like, hey, we want you to change your review, but, you know, um, certainly being able to reach out to a customer when they have an issue is potentially, you know, you potentially they could go change their review because you fixed their issue or potentially you could ask them if they would be willing to update it. And, you know, sellers just don't get that, uh, that luxury. So, um, you know, this is, this is why Amazon is being scrutinized, you know, by, by Congress and, why they have bad bad press because they say they don't do these things but in reality they do these things just like i'm sure um you know Be jeff bezos said when he was in congress that you know they they don't allow you know uh amazon employees to use third-party data to create products but he's not sure that it's never been violated right like internally you have you have employees that have violated these these, uh, these guidelines. And, you know, we've seen in the last month, you know, today, actually, there was an article I posted about uh, an Amazon employee um, that was uh, arrested by the FBI because he was, um, he was refunding orders. Like, I think they went into accounts, changed pricing, people, they had like their own accounts buying products and then refunding the purchases, um, you know, without, without returning the product or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that goes on that, that, uh, that shouldn't go on. And uh, it'd be interesting to see if any action will be taken, uh, you know, against, uh, against Amazon for, for this kind of stuff and what, what that may look like. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.